Nothing but the best. The official drive with Lloyd Paul. As promised, and we're sticking to this one this afternoon in terms of 16 days of activism for no violence against women and children. We're speaking now to attorney Shabnam Palesa Mohammed, who's also an activist, about this campaign. Good afternoon, Shabnam. How are you doing? Hi, Lloyd. I am good, thank you. And thank you for opening up discussion on this really important topic today. Always a pleasure to have you on board, Shabnam. Now, firstly, what are your thoughts about the 16 Days campaign? Very specific thoughts, Lloyd. And I'm going to start off with four of them. One, that we've always maintained 16 Days needs to be 365. And I'm seeing these comments on social media as well. People saying, you know what, outside of the 16 Days, we're not really thinking about this issue. Why is it not 365? We say that it is. Apparently, campaigns were launched saying that it is. But in effect, it actually isn't without the resources to back it up. The second point is that gender-based violence affects men and women. I think it's a very important point for us uh, to mention because we can't be dealing with only one side of the issue and expect society to be healthy. The third is that I think we tend to forget during the 16 days of activism that it's also against child abuse. I think the focus is so much on gender-based violence. And I say this as a survivor of gender-based violence and child abuse, that we tend to forget the children during the 16 days. And certainly we need to be giving more focus to that. And finally, one of the most insidious forms of child abuse that children face, apart from sexual, physical, emotional, etc., is parental alienation, where they are separated from or turned against a parent because of a high-conflict parental relationship, which creates serious problems for a child, from depression to anxiety to suicidal ideation and to violence, which means they grow up to either commit gender-based violence or to accept gender-based violence happening to them and we need to commit to exposing and dealing with this form of uh, violence which is parental alienation if we're going to turn the tide on gender-based violence. Now Shabnam, um, from your work with women, what are some of the reasons why in 2020 they would remain in abusive relationships? I mean of course we know that abuse can take various forms from physical to emotional and financial as well but in 2020 we'll think okay you know what people should be obviously much more uh, quick on the draw now and realize listen you can't really stay in abusive relationships but unfortunately it still, it still happens and when why? Well, absolutely, Lloyd. It's far more complex than that. And I think we need to understand what the victim is going through. So the first aspect is fear, naturally, right? The victim is scared to leave. What could happen if I leave this person? Are they going to further harm me? Could they possibly kill me? And we see numerous instances and cases, those that make it to news, of course, uh, where this actually does happen. So that fear is actually very real. The second is something called Stockholm Syndrome, where the victim believes that they're actually in love with the perpetrator, which prevents them from exiting the situation. Very complex psychological phenomenon. Then, of course, it's children. Where there are children involved, how am I going to look after these children? Where am I going to take them? Um, and how will they feel about the situation? How are they going to cope psychologically? Then, of course, it's the economics. If you're not economically empowered, and that's one of the main themes this year, right, Lloyd? Um, wh- what am I going to do? How am I going to look after myself, pay the rent, look after kids if there are any? Um, who's, who's name all of the assets in if we do divorce? Will I be left with nothing, penniless, homeless? These are the considerations. And, of course, um, my least, one of my least favorite, favorite ones is society. What will people say if I... 
I leave. Mm. And certainly that aspect is as much our responsibility as it is. It is not the victim's responsibility. It's ours to stand in solidarity with them and say, you owe nobody nothing. It's about you and your life and living a safe and healthy life. What society thinks is actually none of your concern. You deserve a better life. Now, Shabnam, is there enough awareness and publicity about shelters and places where women can get help? Are we doing enough out there? Absolutely not. First of all, there's not enough resources dedicated to having enough shelters that victims can go to. Um, and, and in particular, men, I think there's not enough shelters for them where they are experiencing abuse. Of course, when they go to the police station, they laugh at etc. You're a man experiencing abuse, really? So, there are, of course, shelters. shelters are then not available. But for both women and men, this is a problem. Although some steps have been taken in that direction, there aren't enough uh, shelters. Of course, there's not enough information either. Because it's always a risk that where a full list of and addresses are provided openly in the public, that the perpetrator could go and find the victim at that shelter and harm or kill the victim or anybody else at that shelter as well. So that's one of the concerns that activists have. Now, the National Shelter Movement website has a list of shelters victims can contact. The command center as well, their phone number, I think, is always 100-150-150, has contact details of shelters. Police stations should also have shelter details if they don't. Don't ask for the station commander and say that you were not given shelter details. And then, of course, there should be, in theory, social workers at police stations to be able to assist victims and get them into shelters. Bottom line, not nearly enough, but we need to work together to make sure that victims are safe. Now, sadly, we have noticed that the age of child victims is very young. I mean, girls as young as three have reportedly and sadly been raped. How can such cases be prevented, Chabna? You know, Lloyd, girls and boys as young as day zero have been raped. That is the reality. Often nobody hears about it. It's hidden. It's hidden in the family. Um, and that's another very serious problem. Children die. We just heard of another two-year-old who's died because of um, being raped by the mother's boyfriend. So I would say ways in which we can prevent this is the first one is to educate kids. Of course, it's difficult when they're babies. So being vigilant is especially important in knowing the signs, the physical and psychological signs on a child who has actually been abused in any way but in particular rape, which is what, what we're talking about now. So educate them, be observant, and take action. If something has happened to your child, you cannot remain silent. That is your child. Your child does not deserve to be raped or violated in any way. Go to a police station, ask for the necessary resources, and make sure that your child has medical attention as well as that the perpetrator is, is brought to action, is arrested, because if you don't, it's not just your child is going to be somebody else's child and at the end of the day it takes a village to raise a child and all children are our children now you spoke about you know the stereotypes where people are like now let's not speak about it what will the neighbors think and family and friends but i think another important factor to note is that bystander intervention is very important and what we mean by that when we say bystander intervention you could be a family member you could be a neighbor a friend or colleague and maybe you know what's going on um at home with the, the, the violent uh, situation and the abuse and so on and i think you become an accomplice if you're going to keep quiet and i think you should basically 
basically unpack for us this afternoon, Shabnam. How important is bystander intervention? Because a lot of people say, listen, in communities, there's a sense that what happens behind closed doors should stay there. Other people shouldn't intervene. But really, if you do know something, there are ways to approach uh, the, the victim and, and maybe uh, reach out and say, listen, we can get you assistance and show that support because that's very important to show people that they're not alone. Absolutely agree with you. Often that support and solidarity is the difference between someone who escapes or someone that dies. So we do live in communities where there are people who say, like you said, we shouldn't get involved. It's a domestic issue. And you even get police who say the same thing. It's a domestic issue. We're not getting involved. And we find that all too often with, you know, the WhatsApp groups that we're in regarding gender-based violence, where the police have come there and said, actually, we're not getting involved. And then we need to now escalate the matter, take it to Twitter phone people in the area, etc., so that people get involved. But I do think that there is a sense, a shift that's happening on that needle, Lloyd. I, I do think that people are more willing now to say something, to, to intervene, to contact the police, uh, to speak to the survivor, even if, you know, it, uh, it's a situation away from the perpetrator. I do think that is happening. Um, and I think it's important to have that sense of perspective that in as bad as things still are, we have made some some progress uh, and the 16 days has certainly played a part in that. So that solidarity is really important because the victim feels trapped. Um, they may not have employment. They may be, you know, finance issues, etc. There could be alcohol involved where uh, the perpetrator is particularly dangerous. But it's so important because silence is violence. Silence is betrayal. Silence is consent. That's what Martin Luther King says. And it applies to gender-based violence equally. If you know something, there's always something you can do. Speak to the victim outside of the situation. Intervene where something is happening. Provide them with the resources. Take them to the police station. In fact, you know, you can actually get a protection order on behalf of somebody else if for some reason they're injured or they're too afraid to do it. Now, the courts may not necessarily tell you this, but it is part of the Domestic Violence Act. So if the victim is not prepared to go themselves or is incapacitated, you can apply for a protection order on their behalf. Just remember that they need to be safe first before that order is actually served. What happens often is once the order is served, the purpose gets even angrier and takes that anger out on the victim. So there's a lot to consider, but certainly being there for each other is the first step. We've got a couple of seconds left, Nashablan, but very quickly I want to touch on this because according to reports globally, there's been an increase in cases of abuse during lockdowns imposed by COVID-19 and we've been almost into eight or nine months going into lockdown and of course uh, COVID is not going anywhere anytime soon. What are your concerns around this? Because we have seen the stats increase, isn't it? Of course, people are trapped, there's employment issues, there's, there's financial stress, there's alcohol involved, really should be banned during the lockdown, that's my view. And it's also the fact that people don't know how to deal with conflict effectively as opposed to turning to violence. That's a serious problem in our communities and I think from the time children are you know, growing up, they need to be taught how to resolve a conflict without turning to violence. So yes, it's a serious concern, yes, it's escalating during lockdown and yes, we need to stay vigilant. And uh, finally, Shabnam, you know, um, to anyone listening out there right now, if you know someone that's going through something or even yourself experiencing something, uh, what would your final words be um, in terms of reaching out to our people and to say, listen, there's, there's help. You just got to make that first step. 
Absolutely. I mean, as a survivor of child abuse and gender-based violence, I want to say to victims out there, children, women and men, that you are not alone. There are far more people who have suffered what you are going through than you could imagine. Reach out, find that help, whether it's on the ground, whether it's your neighbor, whether it's your friend, whether it's on social media. We are not alone. Show solidarity with each other. And I want to say a massive appreciation to all of the activists on the ground and online that are committed their lives every single single day to fighting the violence that is affecting our society and to Lotus FM thank you to you and to Maya for your commitment to human rights always a pleasure having you on air Shablam activist and attorney Shablam Palesa Mohammed thank you very much for turning to us and do continue the great work that you're doing god bless you god bless you too thanks Lori take care bye bye Lotus FM yeah. Yeah. share the experience share.